This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Thank you for joining us for another Thursday edition of the podcast, uh, which is, I guess, partly mine, maybe 10% mine, 90% Mary Langston's. Uh, This week, she has been kind enough to let me be the guest question answerer, although there may be an extra syllable in there that I left out. You know, I struggle with some words, Mary Langston, but here's what I don't struggle with. Thank you for letting me join you this week. Well, we all know it's your podcast, and I appreciate you letting me ask you questions each week. We always have great ones, don't you think? Uh, We do have great ones. And you know, as much as I like asking questions, also, I do like answering them because it makes me think. Mm -hmm. So, and you know, when you get old and you spend almost all your time in your home office staring out the window, you don't have that many opportunities to think. I mean, I do have to decide which British crime miniseries to watch next. That does require some thought. And I do help the referees call games. Um, I do help there sometimes when they're on television by screaming at them. Yeah, I was going to say all the basketball games that are coming up, you'll have to think about which one to watch and which one to keep up with. Mm, All of them. Um, I, I have figured out how to watch a game on TV, watch a game on my computer and watch a game on my phone all at the same time. (laughs) My, my wife wonders why I can't do arguably simpler things that she's asked me to do than watch three different basketball games at one time. But, um, I got it down to a science, figured out how to do it this past fall with football. So I'll be able to watch. NCAA, uh, men's and women's. Of course, my women's teams are doing better than my men's team. So I may spend more time watching the women's tournament than the men's tournament, honestly. And I think they're having something here in Greenville for the women's, maybe. Uh, Yes. Well, the SEC uh, women's championship is in Greenville, South Carolina. And then the opening round of the NCAA tournament, to the best of my knowledge, is also in Greenville. I wish I had like a a rich friend that had really good seats at either one of them. So I could, you know, call and do what everybody loves, which is have friends call and ask for stuff. (laughs) I don't know that I have any rich friends in Greenville that might have uh, great seats for the, uh, I mean, I like women's basketball period, but I really, really love watching South Carolina. So are they undefeated now? Is that correct? Well, we're not going to talk about that because uh, that may jinx them. Oh, uh, true. Um, okay, forget so I said that. So yeah, we won't not, talk about that today. We're not going to talk Wait about what happens. That, <laughs> that the women's basketball team is undefeated. We're not going to talk about the fact that the men's baseball team is undefeated. So we're, <laughs> we're not going to talk about either one of those things. Yeah, we'll take it out of the air. Yeah, we'll, well, we'll just talk about the fact that spring is in the air. There were, that's right. There 
we're closer, one week closer. I think we've got about a week until daylight savings. We talked about that last week and we're looking forward to that, I know. Well, I tell my wife every fall, if I can just make it to March 1st, um, just make it. Um, we got these three little trees outside my window that have already started blooming. Uh, b- the bloom is pink. The leaves are green and then they turn yellow. They're beautiful little trees that friend of mine in landscaping was uh, kind enough to come plant for us. So that's my goal to make it until I see the pink again. And it's it's out there. So we made it made it at least to the almost the doorstep of another spring. We did. We made it. And with that, we have a lot of great questions today. A lot of them are about the Murdaugh trial. So are you ready to get started? I don't know, but we'll find out. We will. All right. Well, our first question is a Murdaugh question from Emily on Twitter. She writes, why aren't we hearing any questions that can only be answered with a yes or no? How can the jury keep up with the defendant? Well, that's a good question, Emily. So uh, let's save everyone three years of law school and we'll do this uh, in a couple of minutes. Direct examination is when a party, the state or the prosecutor or the defense calls a witness. And those questions cannot, cannot be leading questions. And by leading, I mean the questions suggest an answer. For instance, a leading question is, isn't it true you were at 1st and North Street at 1 p.m. on March the 1st? That is a leading question. It suggests answers. They cannot be asked on direct examination. So if you're the prosecution and you call a police officer, you cannot lead that police officer. If you're a defense attorney and you call your client, you're not supposed to lead. You're supposed to ask direct examination, non-leading questions, which are who, what, when, where, how, and sometimes why. So what you would do is you would say, what is your name? Where were you on March the 1st at 1 p.m.? Is your vision good? Are you colorblind? Those are all non-leading questions for direct examination. Cross-examination is different. Cross-examination is all about asking leading questions, which is really a statement with a punctuation mark. Isn't it true you were there? Isn't it true you were driving? I mean, there's video footage of you driving your electric Prius, isn't there? That's you in the video. You were tired. You just got off work, didn't you? In fact, you were working a double shift and you have a set of newborn triplets at home, don't you? So you were driving and you were tired and you did run the red light. That's cross-examination. Those aren't who, what, when, where, how questions. So it was you driving. That's a yes or no, except sometimes it's a maybe and sometimes it's a yes or no, but let me explain. And so that's what good witnesses do. Good witnesses say that question does not lend itself to a simple yes or no. And then the prosecution or the defense attorney will say, well, humor me, answer it yes or no. So the jury has a clear idea and then you can explain it. So if you've been watching the Murdoch trial, you haven't seen a lot of that. Uh, I will say this. Cross-examination is hard. It's hard. It requires preparation and creativity and mainly control. You have to control the cross-examination of a witness. Otherwise, you get these long, meandering answers. I mean, think back to the congressional hearings, Mary Linkson. Do you remember hearing members of Congress say, reclaiming my time? Remember hearing that? Okay, that's Latin for I ask a really bad question and I have lost control of the witness and lost control of the examination. 
They're trying to get their time back. They're trying to regain control, which is why you've never heard good questioners ever have to say reclaiming my time. There are times when you would ask an open-ended question or a non-leading question on cross-examination as a prosecutor. There are times. I did it in a murder case. Um, The defendant stabbed his wife 19 times. And for reasons only God knows, he decided to testify. So you're going to probably, as the prosecutor, go through every one of those stab wounds. Where did you stab her the first time? Oh, I don't remember. Well, think about it. Hey, you stabbed your wife in the car with a knife. Think about it. Where did you stab her for the first time? That is not a leading question. That, that's a direct examination question. But the answer doesn't matter. There's no good answer to that question. Where did you stab your wife? There is no good answer to that question unless you're going to say, well, I didn't. And we already knew that he had. So why are you not hearing yes or no? Because the prosecutor, in my judgment, is not controlling the examination. And when you lose control, when you ask too many questions that allow for a narrative answer, look, when you're letting the witness talk about which bird dog was chasing which chicken, then you have lost control. And and plus, you've allowed the defendant to humanize himself in front of the jury. So uh, why have you not seen tight questioning with control? Because the person doing the questioning lost control. And that's the one thing you cannot do on cross-examination. People, I mean, believe it or not, people on trial for their lives sometimes can be kind of dodgy. Uh, they're not the most honest witnesses. I mean, what do you have to lose? You're worried about getting charged with perjury. You're being charged with double homicide, but you got to control. And I, I, you know, you can't control the answer. I mean, good witnesses are going to say, I can't answer that with a yes or no. Good ones are. And then good prosecutors are still going to make them. But we'll move on because I get too wound up talking about that stuff. Well, our next question is also related to this as well. So you can keep wounding up and it's from Paul and he writes, how could someone be declared guilty without evidence of his guilt? And how can we condemn a man or woman without a proof of their guilt? I assume Paul's also talking about the Murdoch trial, you think? Yes, sir. Okay. Well, let's define our terms. I mean, I think I heard the words evidence and proof in that question, if memory serves me correctly. Mm-hmm. That's so right. There are two types of evidence. There's direct evidence and there's circumstantial evidence, and both are admissible and equally so. I mean, direct evidence, I saw it. I watched it. Could be I heard it. Could be I smelled it, although that rarely comes up in criminal cases, but sometimes in drug cases. So most of life is circumstantial evidence. You know, Mary Linkson, if I saw you walking in with a rain jacket on and an umbrella and water driven off your umbrella, if you walked in the back door, that is circumstantial evidence of what? I guess that it's raining. Yeah. Now, could a crafty lawyer try to convince a jury that I'd left my sprinkler on and you had to walk past my sprinkler? To get to the back door? Maybe, maybe. 
But it is certainly circumstantial evidence that it's raining outside. I never went outside. I don't know. I didn't hear thunder or lightning. I just saw you walk in with a rain jacket, an umbrella, and water dripping off the umbrella. That is circumstantial evidence. It is no less admissible, no less powerful than direct evidence. So most murder cases do not have direct evidence. There's no video. There are no eyewitnesses. It's a dead person who cannot talk and a live person who usually is not talking. Well, that's what you usually have. You have a dead victim and he or she can't talk. And then you have a live defendant who doesn't take the witness stand. That's most murder cases. So really what you have is circumstantial proof. There is no direct evidence. So what do we have in the Murdoch case? Well, we have two bodies. Can we prove it wasn't suicide? Can we prove it wasn't a murder suicide? Can we prove it wasn't self-defense? Can we prove it wasn't an accident? How do you do that with circumstantial evidence? I mean, most suicide victims don't shoot themselves more than once, certainly not in the head more than once. Most suicide victims don't use long guns. Most suicide victims don't do it in front of their moms or their sons. Can we rule out self-defense? Yes. Accident? Yes. So we're left with homicide. Now, homicide just means a person killed another person. All homicides are not murder. It's a homicide to shoot someone in self-defense. It is a person killing another person, which is what homicide is. But it's legally defensible. Murder is not. So can we establish through circumstantial evidence that this was a murder? That's not that tough. Then the question becomes, who did it? Was Alex Murdoch there? Was he at the crime scene? Did he have the physical ability to shoot a gun? Did he have experience firing weapons? Did he lie about being there? Is there evidence that he moved shortly after the time of death? Is there evidence he moved quickly? Is there evidence he left the murder scene? Is there evidence he left quickly? Is there evidence he lied about when and where he was? Is there evidence he lured his wife and son to the shooting scene? Did he have a reason to kill them? Did he come clean the night of the murders? Is there gunshot residue on his clothes or his vehicle? Is there blood? You may believe the blood got there by checking the pulse. That's certainly the defense theory. You may not, but there is evidence. Evidence does not mean truth. Evidence means evidence. There is evidence the earth is flat because my backyard is flat. But I would not want to prove that in court because the better evidence is on the other side, that the earth is not flat, that it's round. I mean, there's evidence the moon isn't that far away or else I might not be able to see it. But my evidence is wrong. So evidence does not mean truth. Evidence means evidence. It doesn't always equate to the truth. That's why the jury gets to decide what evidence is believable and what is not. So there's plenty of circumstantial evidence that Alex Murdoch killed his wife and son. Perhaps people still have doubt, and perhaps that doubt is reasonable, in which case they would vote not guilty. If you have reasonable doubt, that's how you should vote. But is there evidence sufficient to find him guilty and sufficient, if you believe it, to sustain that verdict on appeal? I would say yes. Well, thank you so much, Trey, and thank you, Paul, for that question. We'll answer more of your questions when we come back. 
This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. We're going to switch gears a little bit and go into the election that's coming up. So our last Dear question. Lord, I'd rather talk about murder. Oh, goodness. Well, we're going to jump into this one, and it's from Jimmy, and he writes, what is going to happen with the 2024 election? Oh, Jimmy, I have no idea. I don't know who the nominees are going to be. I do not know. I mean, I know we're in what? What year are we in now, Mary Lanks, in 2023? That's right. Early in 2023, though, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. So the election's about 18 months away. I don't know what the issues are going to be. I don't know who the nominees are going to be. In politics, I mean, I know it's already started, but it's really a lifetime away. You've got the Senate. Um, I mean, obviously, the whole House is up every two years, but and it's a narrow majority for the Republicans. The Senate is a narrow majority for the Democrats. The Democrats are defending uh, more difficult seats than they did um, last time around. Uh, you will have a presidential nominee at the top of the ticket, which may help the races below it, or they may hurt the races below it. So I, I don't know. I mean, I know what I hope for. And this is the most naive thing you'll ever hear me say. I notice I didn't say I believe this is going to happen. This is what I hope happens, but I don't think it's going to happen. Is a real debate about size and scope of government and what the role of government is in our lives. And that's what I'd love. I'd love for like a real substantive debate. I will spend two hours watching two teams I've never followed before in a basketball tournament. Mm. This average game is about two hours. And yet we allow 45 to 60 seconds to answer questions about the biggest challenges facing our country. I mean, the whole debate structure is just made for television. It, it's not like made for identifying who has the you know, best command of the issue, the most depth and breadth, the most carefully laid out plan. And you may hate the plan. You may think the plan is terrible. And the more you hear about it, the more you don't like it. But I just think you ought to hear more than like 60 seconds on how to make sure Social Security is solvent for, you know, your generation, Mary Langston. I, it, it's just become so much like entertainment and professional wrestling. You know, we'll see who the nominees are. I think Joe Biden's running, but, I, you know, I hear maybe he's thinking about not doing it. Obviously, you've got President Trump who's running again. You've got Nikki Haley who has announced. Uh, you got a businessman, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy. You've got. Uh, a lot of folks that are thinking about it. So way not too early to be paying attention, but way too early to be drawing very many conclusions. I just wish we had super high expectations for the process. And I wish it didn't like devolve into who comes up with the best nickname for whom. I just think there are too many important things going on in the world and in our country to make it, you know, like a reality TV show. So, Jimmy, ask me again in six months if I'm still with you. 
Um, and if I'm not, ask Mary Langston. Well, we're going to hope you're still with us. Well, that's very kind of you. That's the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. <laughs> I do have a question for you. Oh, Where... Lord. About Murdoch? No, it's actually about the last question. I wouldn't think you'd be asking me a question about double homicide. You did let us get a little taste of your law school class. I appreciate that. But um, my question is, were debates always structured in the way it is now, or was it longer in the past? Debates? Mm -hmm. No, I mean, there were debates. What were they? The Lincoln, was it Lincoln-Webster? Who were the the famous debate? No, debates. I mean, we didn't have television back then. So news traveled, you know, more differently. It it took a while for news. Newspapers, I think, were bigger back then. I remember, well, I don't remember. I remember watching. I don't think I was born. No, I was not born when Kennedy and Nixon debated. That may have been the first televised debate because I, I remember hearing that, you know, Nixon had a five o'clock shadow and that kind of may have not been a great optic on on television. Um, you got these moments. I mean, I think back to the some of the debates, you know, Reagan saying, I'm not going to use your youth and inexperience against you. Uh, Jimmy Carter giving a debate answer about his daughter, Gerald Ford giving a debate answer about Eastern Europe that was uh, not lined up with history or facts. Um, People do make mistakes. You get things wrong. You know, you and I met Rick Perry out in California, and he was super, super, super nice to you, which makes anyone go up in my mind if they're really, really nice to you. And he was. But, you know, he was coming off a back surgery and was asked about, which three agencies that he would get rid of as president. And it happens. It happens. It happens to everyone. It happens if you're given a speech. It happens if you're in trial. You just temporarily like cannot remember the next thing you're supposed to say. It happens. But it's just different when it happens in a debate. And, the, and sometimes the moderator mistakes himself or herself with the candidates, and they want to become the star. You can probably tell I'm not a big fan of human nature. Can you tell that? I mean, it's real subtle, I know. But can you tell that I think some people are just inherently selfish and want to be the star of the show? Mm -hmm, Just a little bit. Okay, good. I think we're picking the leader of the free world, the most important elected position in the world. So why in the world we would not? like afford enough time for them to question one another. And I know critics are going to say because it would devolve into a shouting contest and everyone would interrupt each other. Okay, well, is that what you want in a leader? I mean, is, is, that, is that what you want? You want somebody that can't even be quiet for 30 seconds and let their opponent talk? Or do you want someone who filibusters for 30 minutes? Mm-hmm. You probably don't want either one of those. But the longer you watch them, the more you can make up your mind whether or not that's someone that you want to lead you for the next four years. I just 45 seconds. I mean, what would you do to preserve the peace in Europe? Okay. Take the next 45 seconds and tell us it's 30,000 foot stuff. It's just memorizing some little platitude. So no, I'm not a fan of our debate structure. I would make them longer. And if people don't want to watch, you know, that's up to them, mm-hmm. but I mean, the what was it? The first question we had today was about the power of cross-examination. Mm-hmm. That is how we elucidate the truth. Cross-examination. 
imagine candidates examining one another. And you can not only judge the validity of their answers, but the manner in which they handle adversity, the manner in which they handle accusations, the manner in which they handle false accusations, whether or not someone is willing to launch a false accusation should tell you something about the character of that person. All of that helps us make up our minds, but not when the moderator wants to be the star of the show and ask a bunch of gotcha questions and gives you 45 seconds to answer. I just, it's it literally is professional wrestling. So. Well, thank you for answering my question and for all the questions that we had today. Really appreciate it, Trey. Well, you're very welcome, Mary Langston. And thank you for, I mean, everywhere I go, people ask me about you and I mean, such a Christian demeanor and spirit about you. So thank you for letting me do it. And um, hopefully next Thursday, provided South Carolina doesn't get swept by Clemson in baseball this weekend, I'll be back with you. If they do get swept or even lose the series, I don't know where I'm going to be, but Terry will know. So you just, you ask Terry and maybe we can get back together again next Thursday and we'll have some more questions. We're going to hope for the best, and we'll see you next week. Yeah, let's do that. Let's hope for the best, okay? You take care of yourself. You too. Y'all have a great week. Bye-bye. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts, and Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.